I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. Hello friends, so this week uh, we're doing something a little bit different. I wanted to share with you a recording of a talk that I gave back in May on May 16th to Omnia Catholic all about prayer and the title was, Are You Praying the Wrong Way? Um, And maybe you are, maybe you have some uh, misconceptions about prayer, but I wanted to offer this to you this week as just an encouragement uh, to stay connected to the Lord in your prayer life during this time. Enjoy. Good to be with you all this afternoon. Why don't we begin this talk on prayer as we should begin all things in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Guide this time. Allow this time to be fruitful for everyone tuning in. And I pray, Lord, that you would just use me as an instrument in this moment. Allow your message, your words to be what is brought to the forefront of this time. Help us in our prayer. Help us to speak to you more honestly and authentically each and every day. And bless us each here gathered and watching later in the way that we most need it. We pray all of this in your most precious name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are in unprecedented times. I'm sure you've heard that many times. You're probably sick of hearing it at this point because you know, like we're all in the midst of this stay-at-home order with coronavirus. And the interesting thing for us as Catholics about this is being disconnected from our church community and especially from the sacraments. And as a result, you and I are now being forced to look face-to-face right in the eye of our spiritual life really disconnected from the sacramental life and the experiences of Jesus, the experiences of God that maybe we have a bit of a routine in. And now we're without those and we have to look face to face just right at our prayer life and ask the question, do I even have a relationship with Jesus outside of those experiences? And that's something I've been thinking about a lot and something that I know a lot of Catholics are struggling with, uh, being without the Eucharist and confession especially. And so uh, this afternoon, I really want to start by letting you know, you can survive this. Like you will, we will survive this. The sacraments are great and we need them, but we don't need to become so dependent on them that they are our only experience of God. That fundamentally and foundationally, our relationship with God is our prayer. It's been said that prayer is not part of your relationship with God. It is your relationship with God. So if we're not praying and we're not praying authentically, our relationship with God is going to suffer. And so the title of this talk, Are You Praying the Wrong Way? I know that kind of seems maybe counter what you've heard before, because sometimes people are like, oh, you pray however you want, your way is the right way. But I think if we have some misconceptions about God and what prayer does, the purpose of prayer, we can very much approach prayer in the wrong way in the sense that it won't be fruitful, it won't be effective, and we may not feel like we're getting anything out of it. It can be really easy to experience those dark nights of the soul, those moments where we feel like God isn't listening, God isn't speaking, or maybe you hear other people talking about like, oh, God God spoke to me in prayer, and you're like, well, how does that work? Like, I've never heard anything uh, when I pray. And so 
prayer, we have to really look at how we're coming to God in prayer with certain misconceptions we may have about him. And so I want to talk about these because I think they're unhelpful. And I think they may completely uh, convict us in how we're praying and that it might not be the most fruitful or effective way. And so I think this is our common image of the Trinity, especially for people who've been brought up in the church, who maybe are older who are cradle Catholics. Uh, We have this image of the Trinity that is God the Father, who is the old, bearded, distant, kind of angry guy in the sky. Uh, My dad had this catchphrase when I was a kid that um, he used to say, if you're lying, God will get you. And I was like, who is this God person? And why is he so mad at me? Like, why does he want to get me? Like, I don't even know who this person is. And so that was my image of God the Father. And I found that a lot of Catholics have this kind of idea of God the Father as distant, powerful, kind of that Old Testament fire and brimstone type of God. And then we have Jesus. And a lot of times when we think of Jesus, we might think of Jesus on the cross or um, hippie Jesus, the other end of the spectrum, like everybody love everyone, everything's okay, like you don't really just come to me and it's all good. But I think the main problem we have with Jesus is we over divinize him and we forget his humanity. We forget that Jesus experienced everything that we experience except for sin. And we, we kind of make it the best of that, right? So we think, oh, Jesus, yeah, he was sad, but when he cried, it was just Oh, you know, like one tear, you know, and it was very prayerful. No, like Jesus, like ugly cried, snot coming out of his nose, like yelling cried. Jesus laughed so hard, food came out of his nose. Like that is the type of human existence he had, the same as ours. He enjoyed it. And so, but if we have this unhelpful idea of Jesus as someone who doesn't understand our experience, it can be hard to have that intimate relationship with him in prayer. It can be hard to approach a distant God the Father in the sky, if we don't feel like he is right here with us. And then who's the Holy Spirit? A wimpy dove who kind of gets forgotten in our Catholic context. I love the early church father's characterization of the Holy Spirit as the wild goose that I don't know if you've ever been in a park uh, that's filled with goose and you kind of are geese and you go toward them. And all of a sudden you have this moment where it's like a make or break it moment. Like, are they going to attack? Like, are they going to swarm? And it can be kind of terrifying. And that's really the reality of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a he, is a person, but is characterized by kind of this... um, ecstatic energy that we should be afraid of in a wonder and awe type of way. Like, look at the power and the the guidance that the Holy Spirit is waiting to give us. But when we don't have those images, we have these kind of more traditional, angry, distant God the Father, over-divinized Jesus who doesn't relate to our human experience, and the wimpy dove, we don't have a God that is approachable and personal. And so our prayer can be unhelpful. How many of you have found yourself doing this, that every single day you pray at the same time in the same ways and you find yourself saying the exact same thing every day? Now, I don't know if that's your prayer routine and if you've even been encouraged to do that by like set up this routine. But what I think is funny about that is that it's almost like we're trying to change God's mind. Or we're trying to remind God, like God forgot, like every day, let's say you're praying for Jessica, you know, whatever's going on in your friend Jessica's life. And you're, God, please bless bless Jessica every week, every week, week after week. And finally, we think like maybe on the 40th day, Jesus or, you know, who God is going to be like, oh, oh, Jessica. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I totally forgot about Jessica. Thank you for praying that 40 times in a row. Otherwise, 
I'm so useless. I totally would have forgotten. Like, no, like God knows your heart. He knows our intentions and he desires that we express them to him. Just as me as a father, I love when my daughter comes and tells me that she needs me, that she needs up. But I know also what she needs. I know when she needs to eat, when she needs to be changed, when she needs to go to bed, and when she needs to get up. And so she doesn't need to ask, but I love that she does ask. But if we ask for the same thing every single day persistently, and we don't change our prayer to allow God to be invited into the personal everyday moments and struggles of our life, then we are creating just this rubric of prayer that is going to be fruitless. Because my favorite definition of prayer is that prayer is asking an unchanging God to change us. We don't pray to change God's mind. God always wants your greatest good. It says that in Romans, all things work for good for those who love God. He only wants your greatest good. You can trust him. He wants your good more than you do. So when you think about your plans, your future, the things you're worried about, God knows those things. And even if there's a struggle or suffering in your life, he's already working to bring about a greater good. I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. And he says in that book that from the moment God created the first nebula, that he already had the crucifixion in mind. Meaning that from creation, he knew that we would turn away from him and that he would need to work for our greater good and to reconcile us. And so he already was planning to reconcile us back to himself. That's how much he loves you and I. And so we don't need to pray in persistence to remind God because he forgot. We pray in persistence, not because it changes God, but because it changes us. It allows us to be more conformed to God's will. It allows us to trust him more and to entrust the things that are going in, on in our lives to him. That is why we pray. But if we act as though, like, if I just do these things, if I pray the rosary every day because that's what holy people do, and I ascend this mountain, and I finally reach God up there in that distant place where he is, then maybe I'll finally earn or remind him of the things that I need, and he will finally give them to me. If you never asked for a thing, but you were able to conform your heart to exactly what God wanted for your life, he would give you the same exact good things that he would if he prayed every, if you prayed every day. The only deciding factor is our free will. And prayer, persistent prayer on our part, helps us in our free will follow the will of God more faithfully. Because we're asking him every day and we're bringing things to him every day. I trust you with this, Lord. What do you want from me? And slowly our will becomes begins to change. He doesn't change. He still wants our greatest good. The problem is we don't always want our greatest good. We fall into sin and suffering. And so when we have those misconceptions about prayer in mind, when we do that same thing over and over and over again, and it's not fruitful, we can get really discouraged in prayer. And it's, it's no wonder. I mean, imagine you're on a first date with somebody. You know, you're on a first date and you have this conversation about, here's my life, here's, what I'm go here's what's going on in my life, um, here's a little bit about who I am, and you hit it off initially. And then you decide, okay, we're going to have a second date. And you go on that second date, and what do you do? You have the exact same conversation you had on the first date, word for word. That person would probably be pretty freaked out, and your relationship would immediately stop and become stagnant and not be able to develop. 
You and I do that same thing with God all the time. We ask him for the same laundry list of things every day in the same way at the same time. And if we don't vary it up or we don't invite God into today, what's going on in my heart today, unique to today, not that was happening yesterday because I already entrusted that to you. But how do I approach you today as I am right now? That's how the relationship develops, just like any other relationship. And so prayer is a beautiful thing that we all need but we all need to learn more about how to do it authentically. And so I don't know if you've read the catechism before, but the catechism of the Catholic church is a beautiful document. And I always encourage people, if they're ever going to read it, don't start at the beginning, start at the last section in the end, which is the section on prayer. And in that section, it starts around paragraph 2,500. Uh, in that section, there are uh, three definitions of what prayer is. Uh, this is specifically paragraphs uh, 2558 through 2565, that um, God or the church defines prayer as three things, that prayer is gift, prayer is communion, and prayer is covenant. So let's talk about those three things, that prayer is a gift. Have you ever had this uh, statement come to mind or hear someone say, I just need to find God. I just need to find God. I don't feel him right now. I don't really have a relationship with him. I just need to find him. The question I always want to ask is, well, if God is omnipresent and he's everywhere, where was he not? Like, where did you find him? Hiding in a shoebox? Like, he's been there the whole time. It's not about finding God. It's about putting ourselves in a position to be found by him. Removing those obstacles and really allowing a prayerful and beautiful, intimate relationship to begin to develop. And so the recognition that prayer is gift comes from the fact that the second you decide to pray, that is because of the Holy Spirit prompting you to. The second you decide you want to have a relationship with God or go deeper or go to mass or enter into a sacrament, that is because the Holy Spirit is prompting that desire in you. Every action of prayer that you have in your entire life has been gifted to you by God. That God wants those things for you. We don't initiate any of it on our own. And so we don't need to use prayer as an avenue to go find God or to go bring him down from this mountain or from this distant place in the heavens and bring him down to us. He's already here inspiring that desire from the first place. That's our foundational gift of prayer from God. All of it comes from him. He has already found you. He has already chosen you to go and bear fruit that will remain. And as we heard in the gospel recently, I think it was from yesterday, it was not me, you who chose me, but I who chose you. And Jesus there is talking about his disciples. At that time, disciples would go and choose their rabbis. They would go interview with rabbis. The best of the best students would get interviewed. And if they demonstrated, they could interpret the Torah and the scriptures like that rabbi. That rabbi would say, come follow me and be my disciple. But you know what Jesus does? He goes and chooses his own. He goes and reaches out and says, I'm, I'm going to be finding you worthy. I'm going to go choose from the pile of rejects, the people who weren't good enough, the people who'd been kicked out of Torah school. And I'm going to go find them and you will come follow me. You will be my disciple. So prayer is a gift. He comes, he gives it to us. He inspires it within us at every waking moment when we decide we want to pray. The second thing that prayer is, is communion. That we are in union with God. Again, prayer doesn't change God, it changes us to become more like him. So when you and I were baptized, we were brought into unity with God in his family as his children. 
And scripture uses this analogy of adoption, that we are the adopted sons and daughters of God. And at that time in Hebrew culture, if you had a natural child and you wanted to disown them, you could do that. It was within the Jewish law. But if you adopted a child, it was illegal to abandon them for your entire life. You had to commit to be the father to that child. That is who God is to us. He will never abandon us. He will never leave us. And one thing, if you ever do get a chance to read the catechism, one thing you'll see rise to the surface is that those words, unity, community, union, and communion are used virtually in every single paragraph. That God is someone who brings together and prayer should be something that we allow to bring together every part of our life and lay it at the feet of our Lord. Because we know it's gift. We know he is a father who loves us, who has adopted us, and who will not abandon us. That prayer should unify us. Prayer should be something that we bring to God to bring all of the parts of our life together. It shouldn't be just this one compartmentalized thing that we do for an hour on Sunday or our morning routine, and then we go out through the rest of our day being a jerk or, you know, whatever it may be. That prayer should seep into everything that we are. I like to think of prayer, uh, opportunities for prayer, as five F's. Uh, I was thinking about this today and sharing it on social media, but five F's that you do every single day that could be moments you invite God into prayer. Your first moment, so when you wake up in the morning, give that day to Jesus, that's the first F is first. Your final moment, at the end of the day, you um, look over your day, maybe do an examine or an act of contrition, look at what your day ahead the next day looks like, offer that all in gratitude to the Lord. So first and final, uh, floss or fresh, when you're getting fresh in the morning and when you're flossing and doing all the things you need to do hygienically at night to get ready for bed, those are things you do every day. Allow that to be an opportunity just to pray and to be with God. Um, and then food, anytime you are praying, blessing God, um, thanking God for all of the gifts that he has given you. And then lastly, uh, flush. Anytime you use the restroom is an opportunity to be reminded uh, God is with me. And thank God that I have the ability to use all my faculties, my whole body, um, that I'm not suffering in any way that I have my health. So all those different ways we can be in union with God all throughout the day and have little habits of prayer or discipline all throughout the day. So that's communion. And then the third one is covenant. That prayer is a covenant. What does that word mean? We see it all throughout the Old Testament. A covenant is similar to a contract, but a contract is an exchange of goods. So I hire so-and-so to come and paint my house. We write up a contract and then I pay a certain amount of money. That person does the service. We shake hands, we part ways, and we never see each other again, most likely. That is not what God does with us in a covenant. A contract is an exchange of goods, but a covenant is an exchange of persons. God is saying, I'm going to give my entire self to you, body, blood, soul, and divinity, as he did in the person of Jesus on the cross, and he continues to do in the Eucharist. And he asks that we give ourselves completely back to him in relationship. This is the marital imagery of prayer and our relationship with God. As it says in Ephesians, husbands, lay down your lives for your wives as Christ laid down his life for the church. That the image of marriage and relationships is the best way we can personify or imagine a good relationship with God. If we look at good relationships and good marriages, that points to what a good prayer life and relationship with God is. And so in the catechism a little bit later, this is paragraphs uh, 2697 to 2724, it talks about three expressions of prayer. 
And those three expressions, these are the three kind of categories of prayer, are vocal, meditative, and contemplative. And so when we look at our relationship with God, when we're actually going into covenant relationship with God, experiencing him, we do that in the sacraments, but we can also do that and express that in our prayer. So first, vocal prayer. I want you to imagine this as like the first few dates of a relationship. So when you're in vocal prayer, you're talking a lot more. You're getting to know that person. You're letting them know about you. You're having a lot of maybe surface level conversations, but really getting familiar with your relationship and any chemistry with that other person. And you're entertaining the idea of what it looks like to be in a deeper relationship. And you're learning some of these habits. Uh, you start to develop new habits. Like I'm going to start talking to this person every day, or I'm going to start seeing this person once a week. And it becomes part of your routine. Now, vocal prayer for us is like that. It becomes maybe those, when we have those butterfly moments with God and we first have a relationship with him, we want to do all the things, right? You might want to do Lexio Divina. You might want to um, say the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be all the time. You might want to recite these prayers to God, do litanies and novenas uh, and things like that. And those are great things to do. But eventually we have to get to a place where we're not the ones talking, because those first few dates, you might dominate the conversation. You might have a little bit of chemistry. That might be okay in the beginning. But if you do that forever and you never let the other person talk, you're not developing a relationship. You are performing a lecture to an audience of one about your life. You are reciting your autobiography in a date-like scenario. And that person really isn't having anything to contribute or say. I feel like we do this to God a lot in prayer. We go to God and we say, Hey God, I love you. Hey, thanks for everything you've given me. I really need this and I really want this in my life. And, you know, thank you for this. And I'm going to pray this, 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 and that. And uh, thank you so much. Good to see you and great talking to you. Amen. Goodbye. And God is there the whole time. Like, just like, uh, hey, hey, uh, uh, I love you. Like just trying to chime in, trying to speak, but we create so much noise and we're surrounded by so much noise because of our routine and because of all the different things that go on in our lives that we forget to go into deeper experiences of conversation and silence with God. And so vocal prayer is great and we should talk to God because God wants to know about us. I love when my daughter talks to me and tells me what she's doing or what she wants. Um, and I talk to my wife every day, obviously, like we have conversations, but to recognize their back and forth and that I need to listen as much as I speak. And so as we do that, it drives us into the deeper expressions of prayer. And so the second is meditative. When we think about prayer as a covenant and a relationship, what are meditative experiences within, within a relationship? Well, these are maybe deeper experiences you have with a person. Maybe you've gone on those first few dates, there's the butterflies are there, but now you really wanna to get to know each other. Maybe you start going and exploring each other's interests. You start going, um, you know, uh, celebrating birthdays together, doing big fun things, having big fun events together, but you really get to experience them together and share that joy, make those memories together. They become a shared reflection and experience. So meditative prayers in our tradition are more like things like the Rosary or Lexio Divina, where we're diving into scripture or meditating on the mysteries of Christ's life to experience them there, to enter into them and say like, God, what was happening to you here? And how is that similar to what's happening with me? What were you saying here in scripture? And how are you trying to speak that into my own life here today in 2020? That meditative prayer draws us into deeper experience and reflection to the other person. 
And then thirdly, we have contemplative prayer. And contemplative prayer is a lot less talking on our part and a lot more silence. It's just this ability to get into a meditative, contemplative place with God and just reflect on who he is. Uh, maybe sitting in adoration and not needing to say anything. You know, there's that famous conversation I think St. John Vianney had with a person coming out of adoration or someone had with him. And it's something that goes to the effect of, what do you do in there for an hour every day? He says, well, I look at him and he looks at me. You know, just being there in relationship together. This is like in a relationship where people have been together for a long time. My wife and I can do this. We can sit in a room for an hour and not speak and still have a great time. Not because we're mad, not because we don't want to talk to each other, but because we just enjoy each other's company. It's the same thing with God. We need to do that vocal prayer, express him what we need, enter into those deeper reflective moments with him. But eventually, the deeper and the more progressive we, or progressed we get in our prayer life, the less and less we will speak. Because we recognize it only takes but a word to entrust our intentions to God, and he was going to seek our greatest good anyway. So he loves when we ask him for things, and he will grant us the things that we ask when our will is conformed to his. When we recognize that prayer is not changing God, but it is changing us to become more like him. That is why when, when he says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, whatever you ask for in my name, I will do it. Meaning whatever we ask for in the name, in the person of Jesus, recognizing he is our example. The more we are like him, we will ask for things that he would ask for us, that he would want for us. And God will grant them anyway, because he always wants our greatest good. That is what it means to pray rightly. So there's no wrong way to pray in the sense that you are you. You are a person. You're not going to pray how I pray because you're inviting God into your experience every single day. And I'm inviting him into mine. And so our conversations will look different. And one day I might need a little more vocal prayer. I might need to go on that date scenario with God, or I might need to have a good deeper experience and reflection with him in meditative prayer. Or sometimes I just need to sit with him. But that should always be what we're working toward is that type of deep relationship where nothing needs to be said for us to just sit with or in the arms of our father and know that we can trust him to know that he only wants our greatest good. Meister Eckhart, who was a 14th century Dominican mystic, he once said that if the only prayer you ever prayed in your entire life was thank you, that would be enough. That is what contemplative prayer is like. It's about approaching prayer with a spirit of gratitude and receptivity and allowing yourself to be silent, but that doesn't mean your mind is blank. You know, I'm not just sitting there like a dead robot in front of my wife in those moments when we're silent and maybe sitting on a park bench together and enjoying a, the scenery. No, we're together. I know I'm with her and I just get to bask in the gratitude, the love and the joy of that moment. We can do that with God. And so prayer is a gift. God gives it to you. He gives it to me. Prayer is unifying and recognizing that he is a father who loves his children and it brings communion to our life. And it is a covenant, a relationship, an exchange of persons. And so we should look at it like we look at any other relationship, progressing from the surface level type of first date scenarios when the butterflies are all there, and then moving deeper and deeper into relationship until we get to that place of understanding and shared experience where we can just sit in a room together and not need to talk to express our love to one another. Now, my wife and I still talk, we still have those vocal you know, conversations. So it's not, it's not like it only becomes contemplative prayer, but to recognize that is the deepest form, but you can't start there. 
you wouldn't just sit on a first date and sit there silently. You know, you talk more. If you were to have a contemplative, you know, kind of experience with another person on that first date, they'd be like, well, this isn't that fun, so I guess I'll leave, you know? So we, we need to train ourselves to learn what it's like to have that relationship with God. And it might be hard at first. Maybe you can only do it for 30 seconds. Maybe you can only be silent for a minute or, and then, but eventually working your way up to five minutes, six minutes and more. The last thing I want to share with you about prayer is something that I learned in marriage preparation because prayer, really, our relationship with God should be modeled after a good marriage. And something that we learned in marriage preparation is that every relationship goes through a cycle. And it's a cycle of passion to disillusionment to joy and then back around. Passion, disillusionment, joy. Passion, disillusionment, joy. In the beginning, our relationship with God and our prayer life, when we first have a conversion or when we finally have that sacramental experience again, we feel the grace of the Holy Spirit, we have that passion. But we can't rely on those experiences. Case in point, our situation right now, we have none of those experiences. We can't go to the sacraments right now. And so if we rely only on those experiences, that would be like me only thinking my marriage was working when my wife and I got to go on a date. We're still married all the time. We need to put in the work in the in-between moments to those deeper experiences of time together. And so when we have those experiences of that next stage of disillusionment, we need to continue showing up. We need to continue having gratitude. This is the wall that a lot of couples and marriages will hit that causes them to divorce because the passion is gone. Now it's hard work. Now there's kids running around. Now uh, bickering has ensued. Now it's become a little bit more routine. So how do we continue to show up and have a spirit of gratitude about everything that we're doing. That I think is something that can be part of your daily prayer that is unique to that day. How has God blessed you today uniquely in a way that he didn't yesterday or that you didn't recognize yesterday? Maybe it's just in the brightness of a day or a conversation you had with a friend. Bring those prayers to him in gratitude and that will conform our hearts more to recognize that we can trust him, that he wants our greatest good. And prayer will cease to be something we do to try and access him or change him, and it will change us and allow us greater access to him in our hearts. And once we do that, we can break through that disillusionment and get back to joy. And that joy in our prayer life is when we let the Holy Spirit just soak into every corner of our life. We're reminded why we had that passionate encounter and started this relationship in the first place. And then that fuels us right back into passion again. That every relationship goes through that. Every friendship, marriage, uh, we all have times like that where things get a little more routine or we get bogged down by the moments in life. And that's especially true of our prayer life. We need to show up. We need to be disciplined. But we need to recognize we don't just show up to say and do the same things every day to check the Catholic box. And then we wait to experience God when we go receive a sacrament. You and I can experience God right now every single day by just asking him, in prayer for what we need today and loving him and thanking him for the things that he has given us. And so to end this talk, I want to just walk you through how we can model a simple daily prayer using the best of prayers, the Our Father. The Our Father that shows up in Matthew chapter 6 and again elsewhere in Luke, where Jesus responds to the prompting of the disciples that say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus is our prime example. He came, one of the primary reasons for his incarnation was to show us how to live. And part of that is how do we pray? And so he gives us this beautiful prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is that? It's a statement of praise and adoration. So maybe every time you and I start praying, we recognize who God is. 
that God is good, that he is praiseworthy, that we love him, and that we are not him. Puts us in a spirit of humility. And so you could simply say, God, you are so good. I love you. And then it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Allowing our will to be conformed to his. Prayer doesn't change him, it changes us. And so to thank God for the ways that we've experienced his kingdom today. Thank God for the ways that his will is moving in our life. Having spirit of gratitude and prayers of gratitude. And then what do we do? Give us this day our daily bread. We ask God for the things we need today, our daily bread. Not our seasonal bread, not our weekly bread, our daily bread. What's unique to right now today? Those prayers of petition that we need to ask for. And then we ask for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How do we have those moments of contrition where we say, God, I'm sorry for these ways I've turned away from you. Please reconcile me because I can't do it on my own. If I, if, if I could do it on my own, I wouldn't need the cross. I wouldn't need a savior. And that's just a lie from the devil. A lie of pride that we need to stop believing and stop convincing ourselves of. We cannot do it without God. And prayer is a way every single day we're reminded of that. Praising him, thanking him, asking him, and desiring that reconciliation with him. As I would in any relationship. As I would with my wife. Thanking God, thanking her for the beautiful person that she is. Telling her I love you thanking her for the things that she's doing, asking her for the things that I need in our relationship and the practical things we need from each other each day, and then reconciling with her when things don't go well, when I make a mistake, because I'm not perfect. Our relationship with God is like any other relationship, but to the max, to the perfected max. And so let us look in a practical and human way at our relationships as a source for our prayer. Are you praying the wrong way? I don't know. You might just be praying for the, from the wrong perspective. But any prayer is a good prayer because God is good. And any father looks at any prompting from his children as good. And so don't be discouraged if you feel like you're in a monotonous routine of prayer or you're in a dark night of the soul or you feel like prayer is stale or you're discouraged because of the quarantine and you don't know how to get back on that wagon of prayer. Do not be discouraged. God always wants your greatest good. I'll leave you with this image. Uh, this happened when I, my daughter was about six months old. I was changing her on a changing table and she had a dirty diaper, particularly dirty diaper. And I started doing the uh, the baby talk thing that parents do with their, their children. And I was like, oh, did you make a poopy? Did you make a poopy? I love you so much. And in that moment, in the weirdest of moments, God the Father spoke to me just in the, the silence of my own mind. And he said, Matt, this is how I look at you when you sin. I look at you with love. And I heard God almost saying to me, did you make a sin? Did you make a sinny? I love you so much. Because like, he doesn't want to just tell us like, you're so bad and awful. You know, like sin is part of our nature. And it doesn't mean we have permission to do it. But we have to know it's going to happen. But who is it that we answer to? Is it a judgmental, old, distant God in the sky? No, it is a father who loves us, a son who reconciled us, and a spirit who infuses us with joy and love each and every day. So let us approach that God of love and mercy in prayer, as gift, communion, covenant, in the way that we speak vocally, in the way we meditate, in the way we contemplate our God who loves us. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.